God who takes away our sin. Amen. Are you washing the blood? It is great to see everybody today. We are, if you have not, if you been, haven't come, um, well, you, you've missed 29 sermons on the book of, Fe- of Ephesians. Uh, we are in sermon number 30. Uh, and again, uh, just, just show patience with Sally and myself today with uh, Miss Rhonda not being here as we try to make sure everything is up there. Uh, but pretty, a pretty blunt title, don't you think? You see the title? If you're a Christian, that like it. Okay. All right, we'll go home. I'm just playing. All right, we're going to preach. Tyler's like, man, I got some former students in the back right there. Uh, Tyler and Caitlin are like, oh, man, I like Brother Patrick's church. And we get out early. He preaches for two minutes and we get out. Uh, no, um, I, I am I'm very thankful that you guys are here today. Uh, when I coach basketball, um, and y'all know I use a lot of basketball stories. I, I'm sorry. I'm a former coach, and that's, you know, I have a, you know, uh, a lot of stories from it. But I may have mentioned this before, but... Um, I really wanted my guys to act a certain way. You know, it was very important to me, um, you know, that they, they that we were held to a certain standard. Um, and and uh, one of the things, of course, that uh, they probably didn't like too much is whenever I found out they were tardy, uh, if one person was tardy, what did everybody else have to do? Everybody else had to pay for that person, and then that person had to run extra. And then the next day, they're going to class, and you could see them, I mean, you better go to, go to class. I'm not running for you again. You know, uh, but but there was a there was a a reason for that. Uh, I even had them for a long time. I had them wear shirt and ties on game days. My last couple of years, that changed to a more of kind of a jumpsuit. That was that was all the same, and everybody looked the same. And so when you went to school, you know, uh, and if you weren't a basketball player, you you know, when they wore, wore shirts and ties, you knew they were basketball players, or they were wearing a jumpsuit, so to speak, and you knew, uh, you knew that as well. But I wanted them to look classy and act classy because the message I wanted to convey, convey was, you're on varsity, act like it, okay? Act like it. Um, and guess what? As it says up there, if you're a Christian, you're on varsity. You're on the eighteen. All right? Act like it. Some things should not be a part of our lives as Christians. And we will look at some of those things, specific things today. And I mentioned to, to a visitor this morning about that. There's going to be a part of here that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable uh, because of what we're going to talk about, but it's in the Word, and we're not, going to, we're not going to just, like, ignore it, okay? We are going to touch on it. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. All right? Oh, I guess I should have went over the central statement. That's probably good if you're going to uh, preach that you go over the main point, right? Okay, that was a bad joke on myself. Anyway, this is a very long one today, um, but um, I do feel like um, Mr. Lorsch will be a little bit proud of me today with, with my alliteration. All right, uh, but it's a long one. As people of Christ, see the P's here, uh, it is improper to have things like immorality, impurity, greed, and vulgar speech to be part of our lives. Instead, we should practice praise and gratitude, realizing that God is perfect and there is punishment for sin. And there's a mouthful, but it's there. And what we're reading today in verses 3 through 6 in Ephesians chapter 5, okay? So, we're actually going to look in verse 3, all right? And we're going to look at the, the, uh, the kind of end of that statement, okay? End of that verse, but let's read it first. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints, Okay? And, and this is a touchy subject, but we're going to get right into it. And so the th- first thing we're going to look at here is as people of Christ. Because it says at the end of that verse, it says, as is proper for saints. As people of Christ. As those in this, ha- in this room today who have given their life to Christ. That's who, we're, that's who he's talking to. Okay? To every one of us who have given our, our, our lives to Christ. 
If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're a king's kid. Amen? You're a king's kid. Okay? Uh, you are a child of God. Okay? You are a child of God. And you are a saint. A saint. Now, obviously, that's not a term we use a lot in Baptist and Presbyterian, Baptist, Protestant type churches. We don't use that word a lot. Okay? Saint. Uh, and it's too bad that it's mostly been used to represent people who have died or maybe only in the Catholic Church. It's a shame because it says there, we are saints. We are saints. We should act like it. Okay? Now, when we look at the, the, the kind of the meat of this verse, what they focus on is sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. And we're going to look at that in this first section if you are taking notes. So, the, ne the next thing, immorality slash impurity. See, we have a tendency to think that our present culture, the life we live right now, where we are, our setting now, is just so bad, and it's the worst, and it's so bad now, man. It's the worst it's ever going to be, and uh, sins everywhere. And while, yes, that's, there's truth in that, um, we, sometimes we don't look at the fact that you know, the, the, it was bad back then, too. All right? In fact, the background, whenever this was written, whenever Paul wrote this uh, to, the, to the church, to the Christians in Ephesus, this was written in a very hypersexual place. Okay, uh, markets and main streets had just as much immorality as our streets do today. Right, now we don't have the internet and cell phones; we can access it maybe quite quite as quickly. But it was still very rampant. In fact, Greco-Roman gods were celebrated for their sexual con conquests. Uh, homosexuality was rampant. The Greek goddess Artemis, which if you recall, if you've been coming, we've talked about that a little bit. Uh, she was regarded as a fertility goddess. And there were all sorts of craziness, uh, orgies and all that were regularly associated with her worship. Now, that was the in uncomfortable part of, of the message today, but it's the truth. Trying to give you the background, it was really, really bad. Okay, sexual immorality was awful. Um, immorality, by the way, is the Greek word pornea, all right? and it covers all sexual sins. Okay, so when you look at that word, uh, he doesn't get specific in each one. He, basically, that covers all sexual sins. Adultery, fornication, homosexuality, etc. Okay? All right, so that's what he's referring to here. And then impurity or covetousness, that might say in your Bible, is a jealous uh, longing for what others possess, and it also amounts to idolatry. Let's look at some other texts where Paul mentions these same items. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19 says, Flee sexual immorality. Flee. Run from it. Okay, get away from it. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know, and you probably heard this, I mean, y'all know, know this scripture, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Right? As a Christian, you are not your own. You belong to somebody else, uh, namely Jesus Christ. Galatians 5 verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. Again. All right, they start to get a little specific there. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 7. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. Okay? So, have y'all guys ever, y'all know what fad diets are? 
fad diets, those kind of diets, and they say, hey, you know, and I, t I teach, I, I was teaching um, health class, health for PE again. I was able to do some of this again like I did about 12 years ago. Um, and, and these are some of the funnier or more bizarre fad diets I ran across. Uh, say if you see if you ever heard of these. Uh, this was in the 1920s. Uh, it was called the, the cigarette diet. It was actually a diet called the cigarette diet in the 1920s. Uh, light up a smoke and you won't feel like eating anymore. That was the that was the, the, the thing behind it. Um, there's the Sleeping Beauty Diet. Sleeping Beauty Diet. And they, ba they basically argued that lack of sleep was a major contributor to weight gain. So just sleep. Just sleep and you'll lose weight. Okay? All right? That's, that, that's one you like? Okay. All right. Um, the Master Clint's Diet, which when I read this, I was scared to read it. Okay? Uh, the Master Clint's Diet, instead of solid food, uh, you drink a beverage, listen to this, made of cayenne pepper, lemon juice, maple syrup, and water. Yummy. Have that for your lunch today with, with, with some potatoes. Uh, anyway, um, and then the baby food diet. Just eat, eat several jars of baby food for breakfast and lunch. You can have a regular meal at night, but have baby food for, anyway. All right, um, and there's others like cabbage soup diet, uh, cotton ball diet, which is exactly what you think. Eat cotton balls. Okay, and tapeworm, which might be the best. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but you know, we we all know, you know, if we, you know, we, we I'm sure some people even tried some of these diets, but uh, most people know, commonsensical, that eating right and exercise is the best way. Okay, um, but have you ever seen people on reality TV shows? Can we just take just a second there? I like stuff like Alone. You ever seen Alone? It's pretty good. Or Survivor. If you ever really watch them, like they lose uh, a lot of weight because they're on a starvation diet. They don't have anything to eat. Okay? And what's the point, uh, Brother Patrick? Um, while I don't recommend a starvation diet as far as real food, um, I do believe that as Christians we should pursue what Brian Chappell calls a sin starvation diet a sin starvation diet because we should not want to have any impurity in our lives as Christians. Amen? Not any. Uh, not only is impurity not to be a part of our lives, but it's not even to be mentioned in our speech. That's what it says there. Uh, let me ask you another question. So how many in here are uh, a little bit pyromaniacal? Maniacal? A little bit of pyro powers in here? Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you like playing with fire. Okay, come on, raise your hand, Tyler. All right, all right. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's kind of fun to, to play with fire a little bit, right? Well, um, what happens whenever you put more fuel on it? Uh, okay, remember we did duh a couple weeks ago? Duh, no duh, all right, from the 80s. Okay, well, that's a no duh. It's going to get out of control, right? Um, and so related back to our message today, Let's not add the fuel of things like sexual impurities of, you know, uh, of speech, thought, and entertainment because that's just going to feed the power of sin in our lives. It's going to feed it. Uh, it's similar to the writer of Proverbs who urged his son not to walk along the path of the wicked and to turn the other way. He says in Proverbs 4, verses 14 and 15, it says, Keep off the path of the wicked. Don't proceed on the way of evil ones. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass it by. Okay? Now, anyone notice how many times, how many different ways uh, the writer told them to stay away from it or to not go? Did y'all notice that? Okay. Uh, three, four, I think six times, All right, if I'm counting correctly. Keep off. Don't proceed. Avoid. Don't travel on it. Turn away. Pass it by. All right. It's kind of like when your mom tells you about five or six times to do, do something. All right. Maybe you still don't do it. Anyway, so greed, the next one, greed. 
we should continue our sin starvation diet by not indulging in greed. Some of you are like, okay, Brother Pastor, I was all right in the first one, but now you start to meddle on me on this one, all right? Start to meddle when you start talking about greed. See, there's a little bit of debate on what that word might mean. Uh, some scholars have suggested that it has a sexual connotation, as in being greedy for another person's beauty. Others have concluded that it's more of a broader reach by Paul uh, in an attempt to connect immorality with material greed. Uh, whenever you, but either way, I just agree. We all know what greed is. Because whenever you think about it, both uh, of the ones we've talked about today, sexual immorality and greed, are the consequence of deciding that God's not enough. Think about it. it both of those areas, you, you've decided in your heart that God's not good enough. He's not good enough. Uh, he's not good enough in this area of immorality. He's not good enough in this area of greed because I want more and I don't have it. All right. Why does that person have that 85-inch TV and only have 75? Or okay, you know, or whatever it, it may be. Um, that what he does for us and gives us is inadequate. And I know this won't shock you in any way, but there was a workbook that came out a few years ago that listed the top two reasons that ministers leave pulpits. You know what they are? Sexual and financial pressures. Okay? Just what we're talking about. Immorality, greed. Okay? And that's just that's just pastors. I, and I was just reading this week about you know uh, about how our the churches have done awful in that. Not just Catholic churches, okay? Baptist churches as well. Right? A lot of immorality. Right? Uh, and some of y'all may have heard about the Carl Lentz guy from from the uh, what's the what's the real Hillsong Church in New York. You know he he was he's uh, I think he has a couple of charges now uh, on sexual morality against him. All right, and and so it, it's uh, it's rampant, you guys. It's very rampant. I know it doesn't surprise you as you look at our world today. But again, recall that Paul, this time he wrote this, that it was going on then too. Okay, so as I have mentioned by other preachers, um, as has been mentioned, excuse me, by other preachers, tolerance of any sin leads to more and greater sin. Would you agree with that? Tolerance of any sin leads to more and greater sin. We must be careful with that and be vigilant against it. Alexander Pope wrote, Vice is a monster of so frightful mien as to be hated needs but to be seen. Yet seen too oft, too often, familiar with her face, we first endure, then we pity, then embrace. Okay, well that's a lot of some heady words you just used there, Brother Patrick. What, what do you mean by that? Well, let me give you another example. Um, you ever go by a chicken house very often? Anybody ever driven by chicken houses? Okay, you go by the chicken house the first time, first couple times, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Be like, oh my goodness, what in the world? My my girls are probably like, what'd you do, Daddy? Just sorry, 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 sorry. All right. Anyway, but you know, it, it, it's really bad at first, right? But then what happens? You get used to it. We we go we go every day to work. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, when it's not summer, we're going to work. We go by we go on I seventy five and we go by chicken houses. We've been doing that since two thousand five. First couple times I noticed it, I hardly ever notice it now. Unless it's really, really bad, I never noticed it, right? So, so what? What's, what's, what's that? Oh, <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, but my point is, we get used to it. We get used to it. We must be very, very careful with that, all right? Because if we sin, it works that way. The devil likes to work that way. 
And it's like, oh, we just get used to it. And that's not a big deal if we do that. Oh, it's not a big deal if we do this. It's not a big deal if we do this. And we just get used to it. Be very, very careful. Let's look, look back at that verse. It says, named or heard of. So we as Christians, again, like I mentioned earlier about the varsity basketball team, we are held to a higher standard. We must be very careful to guard our integrity and reputation because public sins dishonor God. They do. I, I was very important to me that I handled myself a certain way as a basketball coach. And one day I felt really, really bad. This is not, not the best example because I still don't agree with the lady, but we, we were playing. I was coaching in Madison County back then. This is a while, while ago. And, and I was coaching girls and boys. And it was after the girls' basketball game. And then this lady come from the other, from the other team after the game and just come and just blasted me out, man. She just come got all over me. And she said, and I heard, she said, your girls are just way too aggressive today. Just way too aggressive. I heard you're a you're a youth pastor. Really, you're a youth pastor. I'm like, because so that's bad because my girls were hustling. I don't have I don't understand that. But anyway, but it's kind of, it's, it's, it's my point is we're held to a different standard. And when you see people like Carl Lentz from Hillsong and and you know Jim Baker and you, you know you name them, right? Uh, it puts a stain on the image as Christians. And people are like, man, that's a Christian and they're doing that. See, Ephesians 5, verse 3, again, in the ESV says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Be careful what you tolerate, for you may end up embracing it. Right? Remember what uh, the guy said a few minutes ago. So as people of Christ, and again, this is a mouthful, but I'm going to read it anyway. It, I, y'all, again, y'all tell me I can go till 12 o'clock, so I'm good. All right? I had to say that joke today because I have a few, uh, a few new people, all right? a few visitors. All right? That was the reason why they think the reason why we started at ten was so we can get out, you know, earlier. But it just means I can go longer. Just playing. Um, but as people of Christ, it is improper to have things like immorality, impurity, greed, and now we're going to look at this next part and vulgar speech be a part of our lives. That's what we're going to look at next, and we're also going to look at this part as well. Instead, we should practice praise and gratitude, realizing that God is perfect and there's punishment for sin. Let's look at Ephesians five verse four. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. Now, the next verse is going to be the same, but in the ESV. I like the way the ESV says it. So it says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Vulgar speech. See, Paul goes from immorality in verse 3 to vulgarity in verse 4. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I'm personally ashamed of my own vulgarity. Whenever I was a teenager, I was bad. I was like any other teenager. I, I, I could cuss like a sailor and even worse. Okay? Um, and, and I still have thoughts, even now. I have thoughts. I'm old man, you know, and, and I know I don't need to say that. Why did that even come to my mind? God, forgive me. Uh, forgive me. Because um, even now, I still mess up. God, forgive me because I'm just like Paul, right? Y'all know what Paul says. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I, should, what I know I should do. I'm a wretched man. I'm guessing... I'm not the only one in the house this morning. The speech, by the way, that's being talked about here is profane speech uh, and speech that glorifies sin. Um, crude joking is a type of jokes that had that double entendre. You know what I mean by that? All right, everybody kind of uh, nod a bit. Uh, it means where some, if something has two meanings and the other meaning is really crude. Okay, all right, that's what we're talking about there. The Jewish Qumran community had strict regulations about this, uh, about uncontrolled speech. In fact, the penance for speaking foolishly was three months. And do penance for three months for, sp- for even just speaking foolishly. Okay, 
And what did we read earlier at the beginning of the service? Some of y'all may have been like, well, that's a different type of uh, scripture to read this morning before church, Brother Patrick. But that was the reason why I did it, because to this part here. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to read all of it. I think I'm, I'm going to concentrate on 5 through 10 again. So read with me if you want to here in James chapter 3. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how small a fire sets ablaze a large force. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tame and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. And I'd venture to say that most people in this house this morning can say, oh me on that one. All right. Yeah, I kind of messed up there, Brother Patrick. All right. I know I have. Be careful what you say. The, the, the tongue might be a small organ, but boy, it can really do some damage. Amen? But where does our speech come from? Where does it come from? It comes from the heart, right? Matthew 12, verses 34 through 35 says, Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you're evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Let me read that part again. For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from a storeroom of good, and an evil produ person produces evil things from a storeroom of evil. See, it comes from your heart. Right? It, you know, you notice, I, can, I, I notice in my life that when I start having certain words, you know, whether it's real, a lot of anger or um, maybe really demeaning words to my students or to my children, or have even some words, some profane words come to mind, I know i got to check my heart. There's a heart problem. Something's going on in here, okay? And I have to check it. But instead of those things, we should, as Christians, give thanks. Give thanks. Brian Chappell goes on to say that while we should have a sin-starvation diet, we should feed praise. We should feed. I love that. Starve sin, feed praise. I love it. I would say feed thanksgiving. See, we are saints. We are a holy people, God's children, so we should want to please them. Amen? How awesome it would be if whenever people looked at Christians, looked at people from Calvary Baptist Church, and they thought of the fact that those people are thankful. Those are some thankful people. Right? They give praise to God. See, Thanksgiving should be a major part of our lives. And it's a small thing. It's a small thing. It's just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for getting me up this morning. You didn't have to do that. Right? Thank you, Lord, that I, I have a roof over my head, that I have clothes that I can put on, I have something to eat. And today we have bacon. Whew, that's even more of a, thank, of a thanksgiving. Amen? Boy, amen for the pig and bacon. Thanksgiving should be a major part of our lives. And it's just a matter of saying thank you. And we all know, is, especially teachers, and you know, we, I'm sure you've seen and, you know, uh, people who are not thankful. And it's not that we, you know are mad at them, but I, I, even small things, and I know a young lady, she can uh, um, relate to this, but we, at, at school the last couple of years, we've been trying to give candy on Fridays and in the gym. We try, we try to give candy if people are wearing red. They're supposed to be red. It's Trojan Day, right? And, you know, and like this past year, somebody else was the main one that passed out the candy because he was at the door. But, you know, on the times when I had to give candy, it was always like a surprise whenever somebody would say thank you. And I'm not trying to throw any shade on the current generation at all, um, but I, I see it. I see, you know, and, and you, you, don't, you don't have to, but it sure does make you feel good. Just every now, one, one every ten times, and the student says, thank you, Pat, thank you, Coach Murphy. And you're like, 
you're welcome. <laughs> you know? uh, and so Thanksgiving should be a major part of our lives. Colossians 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I mean, the power and the ability that you have to, do, to even do your job comes from God anyway. Like, I mean, the, 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 the mental capacity that you have, which some say, well, I don't have a whole lot. Uh, Coach Murphy doesn't. But, you know, the, what little I have is from God anyway. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Therefore, through Him, let us continually offer up, God, offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruits of lips that confess His name. And, and see, it's more, and I, I, I might go to meddling here rather than preaching, but, you know, it may be on your heart, and you may be like, Well, Brother Patrick, I'm thankful. I'm thankful, Brother Patrick, I am. Well, have you told him? Have you told God that? Have you just said thank you? Even when you're singing songs, oh, we've got, you know, I'm going to sing in my heart. No, go ahead and sing it out loud. It's okay. All right. Hey, they let me stay here. I can't sing with a flip. All right. All right. So keep singing. Offer up a God, a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Think about it just for a moment before we go to the next, the next section. One way to avoid wanting stuff we should not want is to concentrate on the things God has already given us concentrate on the goodness of God in our lives and be thankful for them. Amen? As people of Christ, it is improper to have things like immorality, impurity, greed, and vulgar speech to be part of our lives. Instead, we should practice praise and gratitude, realizing, and here's the part for the next one, that God is perfect and there is punishment for sin. We want to close with these last two things here. Ephesians 5, verse 5 says, For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. See, because God is perfect. God is perfect. This is what it basically comes down to. Is Are we going to choose selfishness or God's generosity? Are you going to be selfish or... Or trust in a holy and perfect God. Because Paul calls this person an idolater in that verse, right? Colossians 3 verse 5, Therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. And what is idolatry anyway? Putting anything else in the place of God. Well, you know, we, we may not live in, in, in ancient times where we have a, 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 an object that we put in a in a chair and we worshiped it but boy we have something else that we put in place of God right? sometimes that becomes hobbies uh, sports and y'all know I love sports okay? but sometimes I have to be careful I can make those things an idol in my life and be practicing idolatry is God at the center or is something else in the center 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9-10 through 10 says don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom without Christ, without Christ as their Savior. And Galatians 5, verse 21 says, I envy, excuse me, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things. I've warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Colossians 1, 13, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. And see, again, we were all part of those things, right? I'm sure, we, I know I was, and I can say I was those things. But I love how Colossians 1, 13 says, 
He's rescued us from that. He's transferred us into the kingdom of the Son. We're not there anymore because we have accepted what Jesus has done in our place. Amen? Now see, by the way, Paul assumes that his readers are not among these people. Okay, when he, when he does this. And remember, I told you about how bad it was. But he assumes that his readers are not among such people. The question is here is, what if we sin? You know, I'm going to go to church and, man, Brother Patrick's preaching and, uh, and, and maybe you feel condemned. I, just listen, stay with me. The question is here, what if we sin? See, none of us will qualify for heaven if that's the case. None of us. Yeah. But when we do sin, because I'm, so I'm taking a little detour. So I don't know if I take a dirt road, Brother, Brother Tommy. All right. Y'all know about dirt roads, Tommy, a little bit. See, when we, when we do sin, we should feel shame and remorse and desire not to do it again. There's forgiveness for that. Amen? There's forgiveness. See, what is being referred to in this passage is different. See, the person being described in this passage, again, I want you to get it today, the person being described here in this passage is one who has given himself over without shame to this way of life. And they don't care the consequences. And they, there's no feeling of remorse. There's no feeling of, oh, maybe I've not done right here. Okay? Because see, again, we will sin, but is it to where it's a habit of one's life and there's never any remorse? The saying that you shall know them by their fruit has some truth in it, by the way. has some truth. Y'all heard that saying, right? You shall know them by their fruit. And what is ironic here is that while idolaters think they will gain so much by pursuing these lusts and greed, in reality, they lose everything. Matthew 12, verse 33 says, Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. It's truth in that. James 2, verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you faith by my works. See, you'll know them by their fruit. As Mark Roberts pointed out in his study of Ephesians, a better way to read Ephesians 5, verse 5 is to see it as a promise. I'm like, wait, Brother Patrick, let me go back and see what you said there. No, just, just stay with me. Because we read earlier in Ephesians, and this is months ago right, when I preached on it, that we know that our inheritance is guaranteed because of the seal of the Holy Spirit. Y'all remember us talking about that? Right, we can know we have a relationship with Christ because of the Holy Spirit that we have in our lives. So as Roberts continues, he says, if we have inheritance in the kingdom, and if we know that we have this inheritance because of the Spirit, then it must mean that we are not essentially immoral people, impure people, or greedy people. Oh, we still sin. We may sometimes engage in such behavior, but those, those sins, that behavior does not define us. Rather, our identity comes from God and His grace in Christ. Roberts also says, genuine grace... Received genuinely by faith leads to transformation, which will become complete when we receive our kingdom inheritance. Is your faith genuine? Is it? Is it? Did you really mean it? Do you really believe that Jesus is God's Son? That He died on a cross for you? That He rose from the grave? See, it's either either you meant it or you didn't. I I didn't mean it twice. I mean, I, I got baptized twice. I was just getting wet. I just did it because my friends did it. Oh yeah. Oh, you get baptized? I'll go baptized too. All right. When I, was, I only did it because they were. I didn't, I didn't really believe that Jesus could save me. Right? That what he did on the cross counted for me. I love the way J. Vernon McGee says it. It's hard to beat J. Vernon McGee sometimes, if y'all know what I'm talking about. He says this, and I give him all the credit on it. I love, I love this, this statement. It's a little long, but stay with me. 
says, if you can get into sin and not be troubled or bothered by it, you are not a child of God. Listen, I do not think there's any other alternative. Again, listen to what he said. If you can get into sin and not be troubled by it, bothered by it. But if there is conviction in your heart, you feel a tug of guilt, oh, maybe I should have done it. You can rise and go to your father as a prodigal son did. You are a son of the father, and only sons want to go to the father's house. What did, what did the prod- We can go back and read the story about the prodigal son. He's, he's, he's eating stuff that the pigs eat. He's like, I can go back to my father's house. I'm a son. I have a father. Maybe he'll help me. He goes to the father. So J. Vernon McGee says, you are a son of the father or daughter, son or daughter of the father, and only sons and daughters want to go to the father's house. I love that statement. It's so, so simple but true. And he says this, I have never heard of a pig that wanted to go there. Pigs just want to stay in the mud, don't they? Ooh, that'll preach. That'll preach. As people of Christ, it is improper to have things like immorality, impurity, greed, and vulgar speech be part of our lives. Instead, we should practice praise and gratitude, realizing that God is perfect. And lastly, there is punishment for sin. Ephesians 5 verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. It's pretty clear. This is a short one here, and I promise I'm not joking this time. Whenever this was written, a group of people called Gnostics uh, were arguing. Okay, um, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S, if you want to look that up. The Gnostics argued that sins could be committed without damage to the soul with no fear of punishment. You just do whatever you want. Well, that's, that's, that's not Christianity either. Okay? There should be, again, a feeling of, uh, of remorse whenever we, do, whenever we do wrong. Paul could have been addressing this group of people or he could have also been alluding to those who felt that spiritual freedom gave them a license to sin. And even today, we love to preach about the love of God, but boy, we don't really also too much like to talk about the righteousness of God, do we? And there are those that teach that God is too loving to send someone to hell and that everyone will get to heaven in the end no matter what. That's called universalism, and that's not true. That's false. There is a hell. Romans 1 verse 18 says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. But again, it's, it's, it's what we deserve. Y'all, uh, it's not in here, Sally, so uh, there's no need to go to it, but Romans 6, 23, right? For the wages of sin is death. You've heard me preach that from, from this pulpit. What, a wage is something we earn. We earn that. We go to job and we get a wage. Or we better get a wage or we're going to look for another job. Right? We, what we've earned because of our sin is death, and that death stands for eternal separation from God in, in a place called hell. But... But, the rest of that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift, what we don't deserve, something that we don't deserve is eternal life in heaven because of Christ Jesus. It's through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what about you as I ask Miss, Miss Dolores and Sally to come up and we close today. What about you? See, we, we sin, everyone does. Everyone does. We will struggle while we are still in this earthly body. We're going to struggle. If you feel remorse and a desire to not sin, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Keep striving for holiness. Keep, keep doing the best you can. Keep going. Keep reading, your, reading the Bible, praying, coming to church, all right? being around other Christians. All right? Try to do those things. But be aware of the situations that you place yourself in as well. Though. That's a bit of wisdom I want to share with you. I know uh, right, right after um, 
right after I got saved, uh, back when I was 20 years old, I knew that bars was not a place I needed to be in because of my history. Now, it was a brief history, but it was still history. It was history nonetheless. That was a temptation for me. Right? Uh, alcohol and being around that was a temptation. So I know I just can't go at all. And the same guys that I party with weeks before that, uh, I got saved, uh, they were like, hey, Murph, man, about this party this weekend, you want to come? No, man, I, I can't make it. I can't come. Uh, I just had to stop going to those places. So they want to give you a little bit of wisdom there as well. Find an accountability partner. Get counseling. Right? Doesn't mean doesn't mean you're a something's wrong with you because you get counseling. I, 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 whew, that's a whole other sermon for another day. But the church has not done a great job with that, all right? With things like depression and, and other mental health, we have not done well with that. All right? We have we have said it, you know something's wrong with you, all right? And that's 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 not the case. Counseling is okay, all right? You can get it. But ultimately, ultimately, number one thing is to go to God. Amen. First John one nine through ten. I want to leave. Leave you with this. I think it'll be up there. Sally, it might be. Uh, yeah, there it is. If we confess our sins, listen to the promise here, everyone. If you give your life to Christ, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Just tell Him, God, I messed up. God, please forgive me. All right, I'm a sinner, all right? and, I, and I want you to forgive me. All right, cleanse me from unrighteousness. Recognize that He is holy. He is pure. He is perfect. Let that challenge you today and bring you closer to Him rather than make you push away. That's my encouragement to you today. May we strive to act like the Christians we say we are. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, the altar is open. We're going to sing a song. We don't normally sing one verse. Sometimes we sing more. All right? I don't normally belabor that time. I let God, you know, unless we feel like we need to do another verse. But use this time to make any decision that you need to make. The altar is open. Uh, you can pray right where you are. If you make a decision, come uh, come. let me know. Uh, and thank you again for being here. We want to sing, Sally. Let's stand and sing.